Hey, Jason here. Today's video, I'm going to answer the question, is Chinese tech giant Baidu, stock ticker BIDU, a good stock to buy? This is a stock analysis for Mark S., who requested this on YouTube. Before we get to that, though, I need to let you know you can leave this series as a podcast anywhere in the world for free. I'll make a podcasting platform. Stitcher, Anchor, SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes, and more. This is part of the I Love Value Investing podcast anywhere in the world for free. And if you like this video here on YouTube and our other videos, make sure to subscribe and hit the notification bell so you can notified every time we release a new video and release new videos all the time. Okay, I don't want to do this. I have to do this. Again, if you see my other videos, I apologize. I don't want to do this um, on any of my videos. But I have to because every time I don't, I get nasty comments. This is for your informational purposes only. This is not investment advice. Um, this is, I do not short sell ever. Um, so I don't benefit from any stock I talk natively about. I also don't own any stock in a long position that I um, that I talk about in a positive way either. This is 100% to benefit you and to show you how to better and faster evaluate stocks. These are also at the request of viewers. Most of the time, that means I don't know what the company does, um, what its operations are, and I purposely keep it that way. Why do I purposely keep it that way? So I don't get biased either positively or negatively about what the company does. Um, this also means I don't care about what the company does. I don't care about what the CEO says they're going to do. Um, I don't care how they're going to change the world, quote unquote. I don't care about any of that until far later in the analysis. At this initial stage of the analysis, I need profitability margins. I need cash flows. I need margin of safety. I need balance sheet strength. I need more cash than that. I need these kind of things. Um, that means I don't care about the story. I don't care about any of that until far later. Why should you listen to anything I have to say? In the first nine years of my career, I produced average annual investment returns of 23.5% uh, per year. Um, in the portfolios I manage, this puts me just behind the great Warren Buffett um, and when compared to the first nine years of his career, where he produced 24.2% average annual investment returns. My numbers legitimately make me one of the best stock breakers in the world. I almost tripled the stock market in the last nine years. I don't like saying that, frankly, um, and I don't want to say that, but the reason I am saying that is to actually prove to you that I actually know what I'm talking about a little bit. Okay, again, I apologize for that. Don't want to do that. Have to do it. Okay, let's get to the analysis. Again, this is a stock analysis of tech giant uh, Baidu for Mark S. who requested this on YouTube. Thanks, Mark S. for requesting this. Much appreciated. Uh, again, like like most companies, uh, unlike most companies that we evaluate on here, I do know what Baidu does. Um, I have evaluated them before, but I'm going to still look at them from a fresh perspective. Actually, I've evaluated them with a uh, one of our students, uh, Damien. Actually, we evaluated this not too long ago. That was, however, before the um, Chinese tech crackdown that's ongoing. So I have off and on, again, before we get to the actual analysis, to give you some context here, off and on for the last six, seven years, I have written for investment sites and investment newsletters. Um, one of the things I'm covering for one of the sites I write for now is... Not necessarily to a huge degree, but it does cover some of the stocks that we that we do cover. Um, is the Chinese tech crackdown that's going down or that's going on in China right now that has wiped off an enormous amount of value in these stocks? What does that look like? Um, and for Baidu, this means they've lost about thirty-two percent of the value in the last year. They're actually up this year, which is frankly a little bit surprising. 
but going back to February, February, uh, I think it was 20th, 22nd, they're down 56% in part to those tech crackdowns. What are those tech crackdowns doing? Um, China is trying to, or they say they're trying to, the Chinese government, when I say that, um, by the way, says they're trying to get control of these tech giants who are becoming monopoly-esque. Um, so they're forcing them to either potentially divest um, entities that they've bought. Um, they're fining them for skirting rules uh, and not reporting acquisitions to regulators. Um, they're forcing them to open up their platforms in the case of <coughs> companies like Alibaba and um, Tencent to other companies. And because before their links, let's say Baidu, their links might not have worked on Tencent and um, these other tech giants uh, sites. Now, Chinese government is forcing, for example, Alibaba's links to work on Tencent sites and vice versa. Um, so these are some of the things then this has caused a massive amount of loss of value in these stocks. So I'm interested to see how that's affected by you in terms of valuation here. Um, but I thought that context was important because again, unlike most companies that I look at here for viewers, I actually do know quite a bit about, not necessarily Baidu specifically, although I have evaluated them in the past, but more specifically about the Chinese tech crackdown that's been going on. Okay. I see the huge year range here. Um, they're actually towards the lower end of their year range. That's interesting. Not surprising, frankly, because of uh, what I just talked about in the, in the tech crackdown that's been going on. Um, but that I like to look at companies when I'm considering buying them at their closer to their year low range to see if they're undervalued. We'll see if that's the case as we go further. $50 billion market cap. Um, I don't care about forward PE pretty much at all, but when I do, I want this to be under 20 and this at 12.9 is one sign the company might be undervalued. Okay, for those of you who don't know what Baidu is, um, Baidu is the largest internet search engine in China with a 75% market share of the search engine market in March 2021 as per stat counter. Um, that's the a way to think about Baidu is they're the um, Chinese version of Google over in um, China because Google, uh, at least to my knowledge, um, I think that, I don't know if that's changed, but they're not allowed in China due to the restrictions over there by the government. Um, okay, the firm generated 60%, 68% of revenue from online marketing services and the rest from other segments in 2020. Baidu is a technology-driven company and has been investing in AI technology such as autonomously driven cars. So I didn't know that last part. Um, so they're exactly like Google. <laughs> uh, they generate most of their money from ad spend, uh, companies marketing on their platforms and trying to get people to buy stuff. Um, that's where they generate most of the revenue from like Google. And they also have a, apparently an AI technology and autonomous driven drive, uh, drive car or driven cars, uh, company, um, like Google does with their subsidiary Waymo. So that's interesting. I did not know that. Okay. Revenue is skyrocketed from 14.5 billion in 2011. Um, and these are in uh, Chinese yuan uh, millions. So 14.5 billion yuan to 117, 118 billion yuan 
in the trailing 12 month period. Not super surprising, uh, frankly, because of um, how the internet just absolutely exploded over in China in the last decade plus. Um, and with that, since they dominate and have 75% market share, then they are their revenues are going to go up. And their revenues are going to go up pretty much automatically as long as they keep the market share because more people are going to spend money to advertise stuff because they have more eyeballs on their site. Again, just like Google. Think of this like a Chinese version of Google. Uh, with that, their operating income has also increased from about 7.6 billion yuan in 2011 to 17.4 billion in the 12 month period. I can already tell just by looking at those numbers um, compared to the revenue that their operating profit margin has gone down significantly um, since 2011. And that is the case. In 2011, it was 52.2%, which is spectacular, um, to 14.7% in the trailing 12 month period now. That is a gigantic fall. Um, it's not surprising, frankly, um, because the more company earn or the, the higher margins the company earns, typically the more competition they get um, and the more money they spend on things like R&D and hiring people for growth and stuff like that. So it's not surprising that the margin has fallen by that much. It's not necessarily a good thing though, um, especially if they're not spending their money wisely, which we'll see further uh, going forward. But I still look for anything above 10% on a consistent basis. So they surpassed that threshold. Their lowest number was in 2019 at 5.9%, but every other year they've been above 10%. Um, with the margin falling so much from 2011 to, to um, today, that also means that they're having to work harder to make more profits or to make uh, profits. Um, again, not surprising because pretty much nobody can keep a 52.2% operating margin, but that is that does mean that they have to work harder to earn profits. Okay, their share count has gone down, which is a little bit surprising. Um, from 350 million in 2011 to 348 million in the trailing 12 period. Why did I say that's a little bit surprising? Uh, frankly, because this is a fast growth company um, and most times fast growth companies issue shares uh, to raise capital so they continue growing faster. Um, so it's a little bit surprising that they bought back shares. But that also means that they likely are earning enough money from operations, which we see up here and free cash flow, which we're gonna see below. Um, to not have to issue shares, which is a very good sign. <clears throat> Book value per share has skyrocketed, and this is in U.S. dollars here, um, from $5.06 per share in 2011 to $102 per share in the trailing 12-month period. Um, Book value per share doesn't matter much or nearly as much as it used to, but it's still, when it's rising, it's, in, it's a sign of the underlying intrinsic value of the company going up over time. When it's going down, not which is not the case here it's a sign the underlying intrinsic value of the company is going down over time this is an absolute skyrocketing <laughs> of of the potential underlying intrinsic value of the company going up um enormously since 2011. positive free cash flow to a huge degree which is fantastic and how are they investing their money are they investing it well they are doing pretty very well, actually. Um, again, the ROIC is down significantly from 2011 to the trailing 12 month period from 50.2% in 2011 to 15.1% in the trailing 12 month period. Again, that's not a surprise. That falls 
obviously it's not a good thing, um, <clears throat> or it's not a great thing, but I still look for 10% on a consistent basis here, and they surpassed that threshold. Uh, they've only had two years, three years below um, ROIC of 10%. Those all came within the last five years, so I'd want to figure out what's going on there. Um, but they're still consistently above 10%, so that is very good for Baidu. Free cash flow to sales is spectacular. I look for anything about 5% here. This was 40.3% in 2011, and it's uh, still at 13.2% in the trailing tone period. Again, the fall, not surprising, for the reasons we talked about with operating uh, margin fall. But this still surpasses my threshold, and actually they haven't had any year in the last decade that's below been below my threshold of 5% on this number, so that's fantastic. <clears throat> ton of cash on the balance sheet. 43.5% of their balance sheet is in cash. That's good. I would want to know what these other long-term assets are. That makes up 31% of their balance sheet. We'll see more about that when we get to the balance sheet. They have a small amount of short-term debt, 2% of their balance sheet, and they have a decent amount of long-term debt, 19% of their balance sheet. So we'll want to see what those numbers are, but those are not... I'm going to assume based on their what they do and how they operate, I'm going to assume that they can more than cover that with free cash flow. <clears throat> they do not have a cash converter cycle because they're a software company mostly. Um, so that's not surprising. That equity is very good. I look for anything below one here. Um, it's not a super important metric I rely on, but I want to talk about it here, frankly, because we don't talk about it much on the other videos. And again, we've already talked a little bit about debt. So when I do see that, I want to see below one, though. Also, it needs to be positive, though. <laughs> it's not supposed to be negative. That means the company has negative equity. That's not good. Or it means the company has more debt than they have equity. It could mean those, either of those things. Okay, again, these are in CNY, Chinese Yuan billions. And I can forget what the currency exchange is. I think it is 7 to 1 to USD, but I can never remember. Yeah, about 7 to 1. So 7 uh, Chinese Yuan to $1 approximately. Um, okay, so what that means is they have... 169 billion yuan in cash, cash equivalents, and short-term investments. That means, again, just kind of the basic 7 to 1. So 169 divided by 7. That's about 24 billion U.S. in cash, cash equivalents, and short-term investments. That's very good. Their market cap is $50.9 billion. So they have about half of their market cap in cash. That is a fantastic margin of safety. Decent amount of goodwill. I'm not going to talk about that here because uh, I talk about that quite a bit in other videos. Do have a decent amount of uh, intangibles and software and technology licenses, stuff like that. Again, those are actually pretty probably likely valuable here in this case, unlike most of the other companies we covered. 
um, but it really depends. And we'd have to dig into the actual annual reports to figure that out, but I would assume here that these have enormous value. Um, most of the time in the companies we talk about, they don't. The Goodwill pretty much never has value, um, but also the intangibles we usually talk about, those usually don't have a ton of value for me when I value a company. Um, in this case, they probably would. Total long-term investments of 101 Chinese uh, yuan billion. I would want to know what that is specifically. Again, we won't figure that out until we dig into the financials or dig into the end reports uh, if and when we do that. Small amount of current debt, 3 billion Chinese yuan. <laughs> Not a huge deal. Oh yeah, their free cash flow more than covers their total current debt and capital lease obligations of 11.2 billion Chinese yuan. They earned 15.6 billion just last year in free cash flow in Chinese yuan, 15.6 billion. So yeah, they more than covered that about long-term debt. They do have a decent amount of long-term debt and capital leases, $78 billion rounded up. Um, but their cash, yes, at 169 billion Chinese yuan, more than covers their current debt, current capital leases, and long-term debt and long-term capital leases. So that's a fantastic margin of safety. Um, you frankly, don't rare, you rarely see that combination, especially now with companies taking on more debt. Um, that's a fantastic combination and a offers a fantastic margin of safety. Other than that, they have a pretty, very, actually a very clean balance sheet. Let's go to the cash flow statement. And their cash flow statement is showing no information across the board on the quarterlies. So we're going to have to use the annuals. And their trailing total numbers are not showing up still, so I don't know why that is. Um, so we're going to skip the cash flow statement because we're into October as of this recording. So frankly, their 20, 20 numbers and cash flow statements don't really make much sense or they don't add much to the valuation or the analysis um, other than a comparison to the current numbers, which we cannot see for some reason. So not sure what's going on there. But not a huge deal uh, because at this point, the Baidu looks like a fantastic company uh, to potentially research further. So let's go to see the valuation where most companies go to die for me. Their valuation is fantastic. And I'll get to why in a second. Um, I don't care much for PE, price to cash flow, or forward PE. But when I do, I want these numbers to be under 20. PE has a 7.4. Price to cash flow is at 17. And forward PE is at 12.9. Most important number down here is enterprise value to EBIT. Um, I look for anything under eight to consider the company undervalued. This is at five, rounded up. Last year, <laughs> it was at 107. So that's how much their valuation has changed. Um, likely with a combination of the tech crackdown leading to lower share prices for the company. Um, combined with likely a rise in profits as well, which we can actually check. And yes, their profits have gone up. Um, so when a rise in profits happens and a stock price falls, 
valuations become much better and their valuation is fantastic. You can see actually their five-year average um, enterprise value to EBIT is 36. Again, there's a five right now. I look for anything below eight to consider the company undervalued. So Baidu is fantastically undervalued. We're going to continue researching Baidu um, where there's going to be a part two of this where we're going to go into do the actual worksheet. Let me bring my face back over here. We're going to do the actual preliminary analysis uh, worksheet on Baidu. But right now, after, again, their their price, their share price fall due to the uh, tech crackdown and worries over in China, combined with their rise in profits, their valuation is fantastic. So there's going to be a part two of this video. Mark S. Fantastic uh, recommendation here. This looks like, again, a fantastic company to continue researching. Um, we're going to do the worksheet next. If it passes the worksheet, then we'll start digging into the financials like we're doing with WidePoint. And I think I have a couple other companies right now um, that are on the calendar. So I'm going to keep researching this. Um, if I didn't explain something well, I should have explained something better. Uh, if I missed something, let me know in the comments below. If you want me to research a stock like this for you, let me know in the comments below. Every stock analysis video I've done for the last three, four, five, six months at this point, I mean, remember, and every video for at least the next month, is requested by a viewer. I am now giving preference to masterclass students who request videos, but I don't see any of them on here right now. Um, so if you want me to look at video, I will add it to my calendar and analyze the stock for you. If it meets three criteria, it's not a bank because I don't evaluate banks. It's not an insurance company because you have to actually dig into their 10Ks, uh, their annual reports to evaluate though them, sorry. And it also has to be producing revenue. Why does that have to be producing revenue? Because I did some analysis videos of some companies that weren't producing revenue. And because at this stage, I don't care about <laughs> what their story is, what they say they're going to do. Um, the analysis videos are pretty boring because I don't have anything to analyze. So if it meets those three criteria, let me know. And I would love to look at a stock for you in the comments below. If um, you're watching on YouTube, thanks so much. Um, really appreciate it. Make sure to like, love, share, subscribe, all that good stuff. Um, so you're not, and if you do, make sure to subscribe and hit the notification bell so you're notified every time we release a new video and release new videos all the time. You'll also be notified it when we do lives on YouTube and we're doing both lives on YouTube and Facebook um, at least once a week usually. So you'll be notified of those as well. If you're listening on the podcast, again, thanks so much. Really appreciate it. Um, make sure to do all that same stuff on the podcast. Um, but on the podcast, we'd also really appreciate your review. Because the more reviews, views, and listen we get to our content, the more people we can help. If you're listening, or um, if you want more, uh, if you want more help to become a better investor faster, make sure to check out our free resources below, where you can get our five free gifts, um, which includes the um, analysis template we're going to do next week or next time on Baidu. Um, you can get that for free, so you can analyze stocks well and fast um, by using some other free videos to do so. You can also get a free PDF copy of my book, How to Value Invest, and a free copy of our, or a free guide, uh, free copy of our guide, Seven Tips to Picking Great Stocks and Three Times You Must Sell. You can get all three of those at the links below for free. And if you're looking for more specific help from me on how to become a better investor faster, make sure to check out our newly relaunched masterclass uh, where we are showing students how to find, value, and evaluate stocks fast um, using my process that I've developed up the last 15 years while also giving away $9,000 in free bonuses to the first 10 people to sign up um, to find out more information about all that, including the masterclass, um, including how to get one-on-one -on -one trainings with me for free, 
group trainings, uh, value investing blueprint, which is my exact step-by-step -step process on how to find value and evaluate stocks well and fast, including the exact links to where I find stocks, um, and also 28 video resources and much more. Figure out how to get that for free as part of joining the Value Investing Masterclass. Make sure to check out the links below for that. But until next time, have a great day. Talk soon.